Thank you, Dave. It's great to be here today. I hope uh, you've had a great week and uh, if you're watching online, it's great to have you join us this morning. Today we continue the series Unexpected and uh, it's a journey through Jonah and some call Jonah the great missionary book of the Old Testament and I think that pretty much sums up uh, when you read Jonah uh, it's, uh, and its content, uh, what its, its purpose is. And so far in the story, we've seen that God asked Jonah to go to Nineveh uh, to preach or to cry out against it in verse, uh, chapter 1 and verse 1. Nineveh was a great city, um, not much different to the size of Bendigo, uh, 120 odd thousand people. Some scholars say that it could have been, if you include the kind of district, uh, maybe up to as far as 600,000 people. A lot of people lived there and uh, it was a commercial and a cultural uh, centre to the Assyrian kingdom. Um, it was a place, however, of great wickedness. Uh, chapter, chapter 1 and verse 1, nationalistic brutality happened there. If you read the history of the Ninevites, um, they were a very um, brutal uh, people, particularly those uh, who they took captive um, in war. Jonah uh, probably understandably runs um, you, we, there's, there's a map there that shows that he heads in a completely different direction um, to where God was wanting him to go, jumps on a boat to go to Tarshish, uh, a storm uh, brews up, the sailors then throw him overboard and uh, in the mid midst of all of that uh, we see the sailors turning to God in chapter 1 verse 16. Uh, Jonah ends up in the belly of a large fish and uh, in, in the midst of that situation, he cries out to God. And I was reflecting on Dave's sermon last week about uh, the, the, the tough times that happen in our life, uh, often times when God is uh, shaping us, uh, doing a work in us, calling us closer uh, to him. And uh, we certainly see this in Jonah's life as he cries out to God from the, the belly of, of a fish. And then the story goes on and, and he ends up on the beach. Now, I've tried to uh, find a word to sanitise uh, what the scripture said, but the scripture said he, he, uh, the, this large sea uh, creature of the sea uh, vomits him out um, onto the beach. So um, I can't imagine what he will look like or smelt like at that moment, but um, uh, you can only assume that he he would have uh, he would have uh, maybe cleaned himself up before he went to the Ninevites. Maybe that's why they were listening to him when he turned up at the city. Now, if you've got your Bibles, um, Jonah chapter three is where we're going to be camped. It's uh, going to be on there on uh, the screen. Nineveh was about 885 kilometres inland from where Jonah was. Uh, they say that it would have taken him about a month to walk uh, across to, to Nineveh from um, where he was on the beach there. Uh, a little bit different to the guy who's just run from Perth to Sydney. I thought riding from um, Bunbury to Bendigo was, was a big uh, task, but to run from Perth to, to Sydney's, uh, that, that's, a, that's a whole other level. But it would have taken me about a, a month to probably walk um, across to Nineveh, lots of time to think about uh, what he was about to encounter and do and um, spend some time, um, we assume, with God in that moment. Three days, 
the scripture says it would, would have taken to get through the, and, and around the city. Um, the city would have had places where there were kind of uh, uh, marketplaces where you could declare things or, or speak things. There would have been temple spaces. And so he would have used that as he moved through uh, the city of Nineveh to declare this word of the Lord. And so we pick it up in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1. It says this, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message and from the greatest to the least they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard uh, that Jonah, uh, what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on, the, on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God, saw, uh, when God saw what they had done and how, how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. What a great part of the story. Um, God working in this moment, working in the hearts of the Ninevites, uh, even the, ki the king, the people, and even the animals um, fasted and were wearing sackcloth as a sign of repentance, as a sign of turning from their evil ways. And um, I, I, I love the simplicity here. I love the way that um, uh, Jonah just ends up a second time responding to this call that God had on his life as a prophet, declares to the Ninevites, and unexpectedly, unexpectedly, the people who uh, were far from God turn to God. Um, it's a stark difference between um, uh, Israel. Israel were, were you know, the, the, the story here for Israel was that they... They were often abandoning God and his ways and his call on their, their life to be this voice piece, to be this message um, out, uh, of, of hope and love and grace to the community around them. And so um, uh, I, I, there's, there's several things here that really jump out that I think are just worth mentioning uh, this morning. And the first is this, is this, is that God's desire for all people to be in relationship with him is very clear coming through this, this, this book. Um, Jonah being known, the, uh, the book of, uh, the missionary book of the Old Testament. Um, God is desperately desiring um, uh, his creation to know him, for his creation to engage with him. He loves his creation and he wants them to turn from their ways and, and engage with him and be in relationship with him. Um, <clears throat> 
Uh, we see this, 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 uh, this mercy of God coming through here. We see it right through Jonah. We see it with the, the mercy shown on the, on the sailors and um, on Jonah. And here on the Ninevites in verse 10 there, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Um, the book of Jonah is a reminder that Israel uh, was meant to be an evangelistic people. They were meant to point people to God. And I think it's a message for us today as a church that we are here to point people to God. God loves his creation and wants a relationship with him. You know, um, I was thinking about this during the week. I, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you've asked um, or, or you've been in a conversation with a married couple and you said, how did you meet I don't know if you've ever asked that question, but I often ask that question. It's a bit creepy, but I, I, I like to hear the story of how people have met. And quite often, people will say that, um, you know, there's, there's been this whole, whole romance that happens around how people have meet. And sometimes the story goes like this. The person um, who is, is, is deeply in love with this, this other person pursues them but the other person doesn't really want to to engage I don't know if you've ever heard stories like that and and over persistence and over uh, faithfulness and perseverance because they love them um, that person finally comes to the understanding that yes um, this is the person for me this whole um, pursuit that goes on it's it's very very cool and romantic and you know that's a picture of God that he pursues us he loves us and, and is just, you know, the scripture and the fact that he hasn't returned is this evidence of pursuit um, of, of his creation to know him and be in relationship with him. He loves us. Um, this shows this passage that um, there's power in God's word. You know, um, I think Donna said that there's only five Hebrew words uh, that are here uh, in the message that Jonah gave. Now, when I went to Bible college, they said, don't preach for any longer than 20 minutes. I don't know how long I've been going, but I haven't got much time left. Um, they said, if you can't make your point in 20 minutes, then you're not doing too well. People switch off at seven. So if I've been going for seven, you've probably, uh, you've probably already switched off and thinking about what you're doing this afternoon. But this is five words, you know, um, from, from Jonah. 40 days from now, Nineveh, will be destroyed. Um, not exactly the, the um, seeker-friendly message, but, um, but it was a message and it was short and, it was, and, and God worked in that moment. The power of God's word. I love this, this passage that you'll see up on, passage that you'll see up on the screen here um, from Isaiah 55. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It accomplishes all I want it to. It will prosper everywhere I send it. You know, there's something special in this moment from the greatest evangelist to the, to the small town preacher um, to a life group that opens the word of God, to somebody in their quiet time listening to God and God speaking to them. There's something powerful that happens in that moment. Um, and that's why we love to do it. That's why every Sunday we're here doing it and why we meet in, in, in groups during the week. God shows his, that, that, that his word is powerful. There's power in God's word. Um, there's the miraculous happening in this story. 
Um, you go back to storm, uh, the fish, the conversion here of Nineveh, the growing next week of, of the plant that shades, uh, um, uh, sorry, uh, shades Jonah as he, as he has a, a bit of a, a, a suki lala on the hill and uh, the worm then that comes up and eats the plant. There's, there's this whole uh, thread of the miraculous. And you know what? Personally, I, I've, I've, I've grown up in a very conservative background and so the miraculous was always something that I went, oh, really? Um, it sounds a bit weird to me. Um, but yet in, in, in Scripture... You see this thread of the miraculous, things that are happening according uh, to God's way and his purposes, not, as I say, our, our thoughts and our ideas are so different to God's. And, uh, and so this, this realisation over time that God, and, and right in this story, the miraculous is happening. God is a God of the miraculous and he moves in that, that way. We see here um, in verse um, 5 that, Nineveh believed that the conversion of Nineveh was a miracle, was a cultural city that had many uh, gods that they were following. And some scholars say even that um, there wasn't true repentance because we know 37 years later that the Assyrians take Israel captive. Um, but I think, no, there is a miraculous thing that is happening here in, in this story. Um, there's something special that happens in a gathering like this. There's something special that happens when we um, desperately follow God and his ways. There's a miraculous that happens in our lives. You know, as I sat down and I asked, um, had a look at this passage during the week, the thing that came to mind the most, however, was this, is that um, was God's love for, for, for his creation. And I asked the question of myself, do I have that same heart for people? Do I have that same heart for the ones um, in my world? Um, <clears throat> you know, some, some people uh, uh, in, in, your, in your Bibles, you might see different translations. It says that God relented or he had compassion. You know, God has that empathy and that compassion towards and that love towards his creation. The question is, is do I have that? Do, does my heart ache for my family, um, the ones that are closest to me? Does my heart ache for the friends that are in my life, that I spend time doing stuff with? Do, does my heart ache for the community in which I'm embedded? Do, do I really see it as, as a... Um, an opportunity to share God's love and compassion and mercy to them or do I see them as my enemies? Um, the colleagues that I work with, um, are they people that I, I just desperately want to um, tell them about the love of Jesus and the compassion, the mercy and, and what he's done at the cross? Um, is that my heartbeat? Is that your heartbeat today? Um, I think it's a reminder. Um, this story, obviously, um, Jonah being a prophet, this is a message to Israel. The message to Israel in this story is God's love and grace and mercy to those who are far from him. And I believe Jonah speaks to us as a church today that our role is to show love, grace and mercy, God's love, grace and mercy um, to the world around us. Um, we heard about it last night. Our, our goal um, as, as, as a church in the coming years is to point people to Jesus, to be and make disciples, to create a discipleship culture. And so is it high on your list? 
Is it on your to-do list? Is this a part of uh, the big, uh, the things that you need to be doing this week? Are our lives centred around this mission? Um, do we take the words of Jesus when he said, go and make disciples seriously? Is this a part of how we think? Is this the rhythm of our life? Um, so uh, the, the thing that I want to do today is just leave you with a couple of thoughts around how we could... Um, I guess, chase this, this big picture idea of what is going on here in Jonah. And the first is this, our mission on earth, <clears throat> um, our mission here on earth is, is very clear to be and make disciples. The story of Jonah is a great picture of God and how he wants a relationship with every single one of us. Um, you know, we, we know that all of us have fallen short. We know that God demonstrated his love for us at the cross um, and that while we were far from him, he paid um, uh, the, the, the price for us. Uh, we know that if anybody calls out on the name of the Lord, uh, they will be saved, that there is no condemnation for anybody in Christ Jesus. We know these things. These things have been spoken for years, for 170 years in the Baptist movement in this town. These are the verses um, that have been spoken. Do we believe them? Do we live them? Do we live our life according to what it means to, to be and make disciples? You know, one of the things that you will hear us say a lot, and we've heard it again this morning, we heard it last night, is this whole discipleship culture that we're trying to foster here. Um, I'm excited by that. I love following Jesus. I love um, uh, uh, living a life according to how he uh, would desire for me. And jumping into all those vehicles, all the things that we talk about is such an important thing. And secondly, God works in and through our obedience to him. Um, <clears throat> now, uh, for those who, who love their theology, um, I, I think that God works regardless. He's sovereign, but he does work in, in us and through us when we're obedient to him as well. And so um, Jonah, though reluctant, he obeyed God. Um, I guess you would, you would sort of ask the question, wouldn't anybody obey God if they just spent three days in a, the belly of a fish? Um, but, but God comes to him and and, and he does obey a second time. He, he responds and he obeys. And, and it's through that that Nineveh, um, the declaring of, of the word of the Lord to Nineveh, that, that their enemy um, turns. You know, it must have been terrifying for Jonah. It must have been really scary for him. Um, a month to think about it as he walked across the landscape to Nineveh from where he was on the beach um, with this message of five words to a, to a group of people who basically were, were brutal and hated Israel. Um, the, the, the thoughts, I can't imagine, that would have been swimming around in his head in that moment, but he was obedient and he was faithful um, in that moment. You know, I mentioned a few weeks back that um, I'd been reading a book on hermetism. Now, um, just, I just want to say up front, I'm not for one minute thinking about um, going and living in a cave somewhere, okay? Um, I, I'm, I love people and I love hanging out with people. I don't want to be on my own in a cave. Uh, they have a very important role. But one of the things that I've learned about hermits is that um, they're incredibly obedient to the call of God on their life. If you're going to go and sit in a cave um, and, and just pray to God for years on end uh, by yourself, you better make sure that that's the right calling. You better you know, um, be hearing rightly from God because that's, that to me is, is out there. Um, but the obedience 
that I hear the thread of obedience as I read this book on hermetism um, is phenomenal. You know, um, we're, we're talking about people who completely sell out um, for what it means to follow Jesus. And, and I think that, you know, when you read school, when you see, when you look at Paul and the history of, of, of the church, you know, Paul uh, had that transformation on the road to Damascus. He turned his life around, he changed, and he, uh, as a result, um, has seen the spread of the church, Christian church, right throughout um, the globe. The reason we sit here today is because of the work of the disciples and what Paul was doing back then in, in the way of um, planting churches. He was obedient to that, that call on his life. I think of the words of Jesus when he says, um, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. You know, those, that, that thread of, um, I can't say this enough, uh, obedience to Christ. Um, following him, his ways, his thoughts, his, his plan for our life is such a key thing to finding uh, your sweet spot in life. Um, and thirdly, this, and this is, this is kind of like my final point uh, that I want to just drive home this morning. So I'm trying to stick to that 20 minutes this morning. Um, is, is God invites us to re-engage with the call he has on our lives. Um, Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1, the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. You know, this story is about second chances. This, this, this story is about um, Jonah who, who, who is asked by God to do something. He runs away and then God gives him a second chance in, in the midst of, of his um, uh, disobedience, you could say. Um, you may be sitting here today or you may be watching online and you know that God has, has been calling you into a deeper relationship with him. He's been calling you to, um, uh, to follow him, to get involved with ministry, to lead a life group, whatever it is. He's had that call on your life, that niggling and that, that sort of ache inside that you know is the call of God on your life, but for whatever reason, maybe it's because you're too busy. Um, we, we find ourselves getting pretty busy in this world, and, and that vortex of, of busyness means that we, we don't find the time to, to follow the call of God on our life. Um, maybe you've convinced yourself, particularly around ministry and getting involved in leading things, that somebody else is better, that um, somehow God um, has... has has not um, made you the way uh, that he, he loves and he desired, um, that someone else is, is, is just, uh, God's designed them way better than you and, and you know, that, that job is for them. And so you push into that space. And I just encourage you this morning to think through that, think through that lie because God has a, a purpose and a plan um, for, for, for this um, world and, and that purpose and plan involves you and I. Um, and the ministry that he has, has and the gifts that he has planted in us. Maybe you're sitting here today and you, you, just, you just don't want to do what God is asking you to do. You're just simply saying, no, it's not for me. I, I, don't, I, don't, want to, uh, I don't want to be obedient in this moment. Um, I challenge that. Um, I challenge you to just spend some time with God and, and, and just align your heart afresh with him, with him in that moment. I believe that God is calling each and every one of us to follow him um, today. What's your response is my question.
Uh, when I was 17, I, um, uh, I, I got my license. I was living uh, not in this state, so I could get my license at 17. And uh, um, one night, um, a mate and I thought we'd go for a bit of a, a drive uh, in my HR station wagon for those who like their cars a 202 um, was under the bonnet and um, we, we found this this gravel road that was on the skirts of town and um, like any 17 year old uh, and, and their mate um, would do we were having a good time um, and it didn't involve alcohol it was just uh, me and the car and my mate and uh, we, were, we were doing donuts, we were doing handbrakes, a whole bunch of things were, were going on. And anyway, my friend said to me, look, uh, can I have a drive? And uh, I said, sure. And he gets in the car and he goes belting down the road. He was doing about 55 miles an hour because that was what was on the, the clock at the time because I looked across um, at the speed he was doing. So it's about 90 kilometres an hour and he starts to fishtail the car. And so, um, you know, a station wagon, HR Holden station wagon, just started to, to um, fishtail the car down this gravel road. And uh, the fishtails got bigger and bigger to the point where um, we were just, we lost control, or he lost control of the vehicle, and we rolled. And uh, the, the, the vehicle was, was, uh, had rolled over a couple of times. I got thrown out of the vehicle, right? And I'm laying on the road and uh, I'm watching this vehicle come back up over again to roll and the door flings out and stops the vehicle from coming over and landing on top of me. Um, my mate and I uh, stood in front of the car and thought, oh, um, this is not good. Um, and made a decision to go and find a mate to try and t you know, to, to tow the vehicle home. And uh, we did that. It took us a while. We came back to the vehicle and the vehicle was gone. Um, and uh, we're, we're standing there on this gravel road on the outskirts of town going, well, you know, as a 17-year-old, what do you think? Someone stole my vehicle. So that's, that was my thinking at the time. Sorry, I was, you know, not too wise. So I went to the police station and I said, uh, hey, I've had, my, I've had my vehicle pinched. And, uh, and I began to give the illustration um, to uh, well, the description of the vehicle to the, the, the policeman. And he said, oh, that's interesting. We've got a vehicle similar to that in the compound at the back. And my heart sunk at that moment because I know that we'd been caught. Now, I tell you that story because I end up in court. I lost my license. I got a hefty fine. I had to pay for the grading of the road um, as well. And, um, but it's, I tell you that story because it's... it's it's a story of second chances. Um, I, uh, that night, f could have lost my life quite easily in, in a, a situation like that. The car didn't have seatbelts. Um, and so uh, it was just a wild moment. And God threw the door open right at the right moment to, to protect me. Um, I, I did get my license back, so I'm still driving around. I don't know why people toot at me all the time, but anyway. Um, <laughs> But I got my license back. Um, but also my mum and dad forgave me, you know. Um, I can remember getting dropped off at home uh, after the, the whole incident by the police. And, and my mum and dad and the mum of my mate was, was in the house um, waiting for us. And they were praying that we were 
we were okay because they were a bit worried that we'd bumped our head and wandered off somewhere and they, they couldn't find us. And, um, and, and they were just so glad to see us. And um, I just felt this overwhelming sense of forgiveness. And, you know, it's a story of second chances for me. And you've got your story of second chances. Um, God has his story of, of second chances in people's lives. And I don't know where you're placed today in regards to your journey with God, but, but God knows that. I don't know where you're placed for ministry for 2023 or, or um, your involvement with, with church for the future, but um, God knows. And it's a conversation worth having with God. It's a conversation worth engaging with him because he's a God that wants us to declare his word in the community around us. We live in a, a desperately um, needy world and, and God's message of love and, and mercy and compassion, his message of the cross sits there on the lips of everybody who calls him Lord and Saviour. And uh, it's up to us um, to do that. If you've resisted, I uh, encourage you to think through that today. Today might be the day for you uh, where second chances uh, are an opportunity for you to step over into new territory with God. Will you pray with me today as we just close? Um, Father, we, we thank you for this story um, of, of Jonah. Lord, it, it, it says so much to us. Lord, we see the, uh, the comp- uh, your love, your grace, your mercy um, coming through. Uh, so much through this story and through scripture and Lord we just this morning acknowledge that um, that you're a good God that you're a God who loves your creation you're a God who um, desires to to be in relationship and connect um, with with each and every one of us Lord you have a plan for us and we, we thank you for that and Lord I just ask today that you would do a fresh work in our hearts Lord, that we would be people who don't uh, leave this place today feeling um, like it's just, just another service that we just go through the motions now as we leave and have lunch and just carry on with the day. But Lord, it's a day where we step over into new territory in what it means to follow you, what it means to obey the call that you have on our lives, what it means uh, to declare your goodness in our community around us. And Lord, we just ask today uh, that you would help us in this moment Lord, as we worship you now, that you would just move by your spirit in our hearts. Uh, Lord God, we love you. We love, uh, Lord, the work that you've done in our lives and the work that you can do in the community around us. And we commit that to you now in your precious name. Amen.